Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Acri. And today, man, do we have it's great interview. a fire interview. Great, great interview. Like I'm still like when, when I'm thinking Good back transition, on it, Luke. Yeah, we literally, <laughs> we literally just went through titles and I was like, did, there's yeah. so many titles we could do. I mean, this person has sold in five months. I mean, I won't totally spoil it, but over 90 million yeah, in, no, in five months. It's so true. We kept going through like little snippets of things that he said, trying to come up with like, oh, we could, this could be the title. This yeah. could be the title. Because you want to create with podcasts, right? You want to create titles that, you know, engage the the audience, that pull yeah. people in because there's so much, you know, so much content out there. Yeah. No, not only is our guest story today incredible, but his his message in terms of what it actually takes to be successful in real estate and really in any business, listening to him talk, I'm like, man, I could apply this to just about yep. any business. Uh, so you definitely want to stick around for that. But first, we would love it if you took a minute to just make sure you're subscribed to Stay Paid on Apple Podcast or Spotify if you're not already. And while you're there, drop us a review to let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you think of the show. This week's featured review comes from Stinkbug01. <laughs> I don't know why Apple podcast usernames tend to be so uh, out there, but this is Stinkbug. We appreciate it anyway. They say, great show, five stars. Luke and Josh, host of the State Paid Podcast, highlight all aspects of marketing and more in this can't miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that is helpful to anyone that listens. So oh. thanks so much for leaving that review. Yes, we really thank you, Stinkbug. We will make sure to read your <laughs> reviews on the air as well. And now let's get into this week's interview. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. All right, as a top producing realtor in the Silicon Valley Bay Area, Jordan Mott has worked his way into the top 1% of realtors across the entire nation. In 2020, despite being in the middle of a global pandemic, Jordan was able to successfully close over $83 million in real estate. Ooh. And we were talking about it for the podcast, according to his Instagram bio, he's already surpassed that. 91 million sales, I believe. We're going to dig into that. Maybe, a I think bit 93, here. maybe. 93 I don't million. know. We'll get already the exact. in 2021. Jordan was always uh, also recognized by the National Association of Realtors for being within the top 30 agents under the age of 30 years old, in which Jordan had the highest sales volume. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's a pleasure. Yeah, Jordan, excited to have you on. I've been following guys, Jordan, for a while on Instagram and just super impressed. It's like I got to the point of like, if you guys wonder with our guests, like how do we get guests and everything like that, a lot comes through relationships, but then a lot just comes from I'm just watching people crush it out there. And I'm like, I got to pick this person's brain. And Jordan, I can't wait to interview, man, and hear your story because you're on this road to trying to do 100 million in sales this year. And already halfway through the year, you're almost there, which is unbelievable. But before we dive into kind of the strategies of how you got there, could you share a little bit of your story, your background, what got you into real estate, how long you've been doing it? Yeah, so if we talk much longer, I might be at 95 by the time we're done talking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't always my initial plan to go into real estate, right? Um, 
I think you go, you get out of, you get out of high school, you go into college, you're told that you got to pick a major and what you're going to do for the rest of your life, which looking back on it is a little ridiculous. How's anyone supposed to know at 18 years old, what they're going to do with the rest of their life. Right. So, um, I grew up here in the Silicon Valley on the West coast and for college went back East to, uh, Penn state, which was a family tradition. My great grandpa, my grandpa, my dad, my uncle all went to Penn state during the winter. I was wondering why the hell I wasn't sitting on the beach at San Diego state. But, um, (laughs) Initially, my plan was to come back home and go into law enforcement. Um, so one of my degrees is in criminology. Um, about halfway through school, I decided that that wasn't going to be the best career choice. And I didn't want to put my future wife and future children in the situation of wondering whether dad was going to come home from work. Um, and even more prevalent in today's world, lots of respect for everyone who does do that job with everything that's going on. Mm. Uh, And so I knew I didn't want to go to law school either. So I picked up a second degree in public relations um, and advertising and figured that that was a little more broad that I could go do whatever I wanted to with that. Um, Graduated early from Penn State and um, my junior year at Penn State, I had an internship over in Bangkok, Thailand, working for a real estate development company. Um, And it kind of sparked my interest in real estate. My dad was in property management for about 20 years and always told me, hey, you should think about going into real estate. But when you're growing up, you never want to listen to what your parents have to say or any advice that they have to give you. Right. Um, but it all, it all makes sense looking back on it. Um, so I came home from college, started working on getting my real estate license. Um, I was always of the mindset that I, well, after I decided that I wasn't going into law enforcement, that I didn't want to go work a typical nine to five job, um, that I wanted, and I didn't want something that had caps on what I could create. Right. Um, so I saw real estate as a good opportunity for that. And I looked back at my years growing up in high school or middle school or whatever it was when you have these magazine drives or you're selling cookies or whatever it is for sports teams as fundraisers going door to door. Like I always led my whole school in those activities. Right. So I'm like, okay, there's gotta be somewhat of the same idea, but you're building or you're handling for what for the majority of people are their biggest assets, their homes and their properties. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, was working on getting my real estate license, figured that I'd try to get a leasing position out of an apartment complex, try to get a vibe for, okay, I'll go show people units, do some paperwork. And at that point, I had come across an assistant position for two top producing agents at Caldwell Banker at the time. Um, so it wasn't necessarily the money that I wanted to be making at that time, but I figured that it was going to give me great insight into the industry and a couple people to learn from while I was getting my license. So um, I took on that position. I was bouncing at a in the evenings to make ends meet as well. Um, And then when I got my license, I hit the ground running from there. You were a bouncer at a bar? Yeah, since I was 17 years old. (laughs) What's your craziest bouncer story? Let's switch the interview. Let's go a different angle. I have a friend that's a bouncer and there's there's some pretty wild stories. I'm curious though, before we jump into the real estate, the internship, that's very unique to do an internship in like Thailand. How did that come about? Uh, that came about from, I was the alumni relations chair for my fraternity at Penn State the year that we had our 100th anniversary. Um, so we had a huge gathering and celebration of our 100th year anniversary. And this gentleman got up and donated $50,000 to the house. And he was talking about how 
he had ties to USC as well. Hmm. Um, I'm like, okay, fantastic. Maybe this guy has ties to California. I can go back home to California over the summer, have an internship there. And I remember texting my mom like, hey, I think I might be able to come back home to California this summer. And so I go up to him afterwards and introduce myself and was like, Hey, I really respect you. Appreciate the donation that you just made to the house. Like you by chance have any internship opportunities that you might have to offer this upcoming summer. He's like, Oh yeah, no problem. Send me your resume tomorrow. We'll fly you to Bangkok. You can work for work <laughs> my, uh, my company out there. And I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. let's take a step back. Bangkok. Like I've never been out of the country before. And like, I remember calling my mom, like, yeah, I got an internship opportunity, but it's in Thailand. Like, should I go? And, uh, she's like, you absolutely have to go. And um, it was one of the best experiences of my life. He let me bring a buddy with me to work for him too. So it's pretty cool. And when we got there, we found out that he had ties to the royal family in Thailand. So wow, uh, it was quite the experience. That is amazing. Three valuable things there. One is networking. Wasn't afraid, right? Wasn't afraid to go up and talk to this guy. But two is opportunity presented it yourself. You took it. So and three yes. is great mom telling you, you have to take that. What a great mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So let's get into the the real estate side, right? So I've been following you on Instagram. You've been hashtagging, posting. You're on this road to a hundred million and to do a hundred million dollars in sales this year. Can you give us a little bit of the background though? How long have you been a real estate agent and what was last year and the year before that and why you chose a hundred million this year? <clears throat> Yeah, so I've been in the industry for about seven years now. Um, feels like a lifetime, I guess. Um, but my progression was quick from the beginning, I think. I did eight deals my first year, um, which is pretty good for a lot of agents mm -hmm. by standards, right? I think your average agent across the country does four to five deals a year. Um, so we went from eight, we went to 12. And then there was a big breakthrough from year two to year three, where we went from 12 deals to 41 deals. Mm. Uh, and then I think it was 46, 51, 62, something like that. Um, and, and last year, I did an 83 million of production like you had talked about. So the next reasonable goal as far as I was concerned was, okay, 100 million. Like that's 17 million more than last year. Um, that should be attainable with implementing some new systems and growing my business year after year. Um, usually my goal year after year is just to do more business than I did the year before, but I actually set and um, I guess a monetary goal this year, go sell a hundred million dollars of real estate. And here we are June 1st with over $93 million pending and sold. So I'm questioning what I'm going to have to change that to. <laughs> 300 <laughs> million. Um, a lot of people told me to, okay, just stop working for the rest of the year, but I go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. I love, you know, one uh, tactical tip though, that I love, and it, you see this with working out too. I love, because I've been following you, man, right? We don't really have a personal relationship, but I've been following you on Instagram and stuff like that. And I'm invested in your journey, either subconsciously or consciously, because I'm curious, oh, where is he at now? Where is he at? And it's similar to the, you see the people posting, like, I'm trying to do 300 workouts or I'm trying to do 250 workouts. And, you know, sharing your story on social media, I think it's people invested in you more. They feel a part of it. Have you found that to be true with like your friends, your sphere and stuff like that? Are they asking you where you're at? Are you seeing it as people wanting to be involved in your journey? Well, I don't know that necessarily people have to ask because they see it so regularly based off my social media presence. But um, I mean, 
almost on a daily basis. I mean, I have many people reach out to me and telling me that I'm an inspiration and that I've inspired them to go more, do more than they're doing business wise and that I provide them with motivation. So, I mean, I think you just never know who's watching and who you're going to be an example to. And I mean, I just had someone reach out to me last night that had said, Hey, I followed a bunch of stuff that you had mentioned on one of your trainings previously or whatnot. And I just broke my first month where I had a hundred thousand dollars in commissions. And like, I didn't even really know who this guy was. Right. But I mean, he's implementing what I'm doing and I'm a big believer that I don't get to keep what I have unless I'm willing to give it away. Right. Mm. And so I'm an open book when it comes to the majority of my business practices and the way that I run my life just because I mean, one, the majority of people aren't going to do anything with the advice you give them anyways. <laughs> they're going to, they're going to listen to it and say, that sounds fantastic. And then next week they don't even know what you said anymore. Um, and they're definitely not going to implement it. But I mean, just in, just living in an abundance of giving back and trying to make a difference as much as possible. Right. But you never know who's watching. That's so good. So good. You said there was a breakthrough from what was the number 12 to 41. Yeah. What was that breakthrough? So I don't know that there was necessarily something that you could pinpoint as the breakthrough, but in this industry, it's not something that's going to materialize overnight, right? I mean, you're basically, yes, you're backed by a bigger brokerage or a brokerage wherever you're at, right? And you have that name behind you, but you personally are truly the brand and it takes time to build that brand recognition and get your name in front of as many people as possible, which then in turn ends up generating more business, the more people you're able to put yourself in front of consistently. So I think that a lot of it was the accumulation of hard work for the first couple of years that then started to materialize. Um, I mean, we talk about geographic farming a lot in our industry, right? Where it is a specific neighborhood or set of homes and they go and hit them with some type of marketing material twice every month. I mean, so I was implementing those things, but that takes time for those to materialize. But what I also realized was that I could go leverage every listing that I had. And so I started implementing this program where, okay, anytime that I get a listing, the 500 homes around it get flyers dropped on their doorstep that are coming soon, just listed, pending, sold, and then a market update. So they're getting five flyers from me on their doorstep within about a 45-day period. And there's always going to be a neighborhood expert somewhere, right? But people don't really care about that. They care about who's doing what now and what results they're generating. So if you're able to provide that and put that in front of people, that almost always generates new business, right? And so... And I, and I went to door dropping on doorsteps instead of mailers because I think postcards very simply get lost in the mail. If you come home from a long day of work, mm. you shuffle through the mail and quickly throw something in the trash. Like I'm not oblivious to the fact that the majority of my marketing material goes in the trash, but if it's on their doorstep, they at least have to pick it up and look at it on the way to trash, right? So <laughs> there's some exposure. Yeah, that's, a, that's an applause right there. Do you actually do the physical dropping off now or do, have you been able to scale to where someone does that for you? How does that factor in? Because a lot of people hearing this probably think, oh, the time investment. Like, what's your thoughts to them on that? So nowadays, no, I'm not the one that's dropping off my flyers. At the beginning, I think all the way through year three, I was, but I was... I was up at 4.30 a.m. out dropping flyers, right? And you become very knowledgeable of who has dogs 
who has motion lights. And I will tell you that the person driving slowly throwing newspapers is creepy as can be at that time <laughs> in the morning. Um, but, and people would think I'm crazy, right? Because I'm out at 4.30 a.m. But I knew that I had... I, my typical routine was, okay, 4.30 a.m., I'm going to go drop 500 flyers. I'm going to have 500 flyers dropped before I go to the gym. And then I'm going to go to the gym and end up in the office, office, right? And the whole thing with flyers, or at least my mindset behind it, is that it's kind of like playing the lottery. You never know when one is going to hit, right? But every one of those people knew my name a little bit better after that morning than they did the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned, I know uh, if, you know, looking at your YouTube videos, seeing like your stuff on Instagram, uh, you always bring up never too busy for your referral. So obviously I'm guessing referral is a big part of your marketing, your lead generation. How big of a piece is it? And what are you doing to proactively get those referrals from the people you've worked with or with your sphere? So... Yeah, that's my tagline, right? Never too busy for your referrals. You'll look at my license plate. It says never too busy. Um, I mean, and it's a, it's an ongoing joke in my circle of friends and everyone that I know, right? That I'm never too busy. Like I had coached high school football for four years and um, some of the kids followed me on social media. And one day in the weight room, that one of the kids is like, Hey guys, stop. I have an announcement for you. Like he's like, coach Mott's never too busy for your referrals. I'm like, that's great. Dude, 20 years. You don't forget that. Um, but I mean, it's funny. Someone just asked me this question yesterday of how much business was actually coming from referrals comparatively to outside marketing efforts. And it's about 50% right now. Um, is what it is. This is about 50% of my business is coming from referrals, whether that be other agents, my sphere of influence, or or past clients. Um, so it's about half and half. And I mean, you just got to... Everybody knows at this point that I'm never too busy for their referrals. Are right? you attributing There's, it to the kind of the branding aspect? Or is there something else you're doing in terms of building the relationships with your clients or, or I guess, asking them for referrals? Like... I, I think it's very much so the branding aspect of things. Whenever I do have a new client or I'm taking on a new client, immediately I'm adding them on social media. right? And so they see that every day. There's not a day that goes by that you're not reminded that I'm in the real estate industry and selling houses and that I'm never too busy for your referrals. But also staying in front of past clients is super important. right? I remember seeing one of my past clients houses come on the market um, with a different agent a couple of years after I had sold it to them. And I was not very nice words um, came out of my mouth when I saw that. Right. But I immediately realized that that was my fault, that I was not staying in front of past clients. Right. So nowadays, anyone who is a past client of mine gets a quarterly CMA, just like you would get a quarterly update from a financial advisor that those get sent out to every one of my clients so that my name's staying in front of them on a quarterly basis as far as that's concerned. And then anyone that purchases one of my listings is also getting a quarterly CMA because likely their agent is not staying in touch with them either. So that's another opportunity for me to go and potentially convert those people to clients because they already know that I have knowledge associated with their house being that I was the listing agent when I bought it. Right. So I think those factors combined with connecting with everyone on social media so that they see it regularly is where the majority of that's coming from. Like when I was in, when I first got into the industry, I was told that I needed to create like 
an Excel database with everyone that I knew, family, friends, colleagues, past coworkers, X, Y, and Z, get their phone numbers, get their email addresses, get their addresses, put them on junk email campaigns. And for some reason, I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. But what I did realize was that everyone that would have been in that database, I was already friends with on Facebook or friends with on Instagram. So that was a softer way to keep myself in front of them more repetitively and consistently. And I mean, very regularly, I have people that reach out to me that went to high school with that I haven't talked to in 11 years, right? Hey, my parents are thinking about selling their house. Can you help them? Like, No one was going to go out trying to search, oh, is Jordan Mott selling real estate? But because I'm connected with them on those platforms and in front of them on a daily basis, I'm always top of mind as far as that's concerned. So that's where a lot of the referral stuff comes from. I love that. You know, there's this principle, like when you see people that are active, you immediately attribute in your mind, there's this like correlation to like success. So like an encouragement to all the agents out there, especially if you're new, if you're active, if you're out there posting, if you're out there being in front of people, even if you don't have any sales yet, if, they're, if they see you hustling, they immediately correlate it. The consumer correlates it. Man, Jordan, he is just grinding it out. He's killing it right now because he's everywhere. And then it just breeds in them this, you know, almost like mindset of like, oh, wow, you're super successful. They never forget you. They see what you're passionate about. They see what you love. So I love that tip. You know, I've seen you post a ton about you late nights in the office or you early mornings, that type of idea. And a, a lot of times I think it's like a picture of like the parking lot where there's a car and it's just your car in the parking lot. And I'm curious, like your thoughts on the grind. Because everybody knows the failure rates are like 87% in five years for real estate agents. What would you tell a new agent about the grind of real estate? And, you know, there's kind of a split thought process here because some people get into real estate, I think, because they want to have more freedom. And that's why they think they fail. Can you speak a little bit to you think of the work that's, you know, needed to be successful in real estate? Yeah. So I think you see a ton of people get into the industry that think they're going to make a ton of money, that they're going to drive a super nice car, that they're not going to have to work that hard and that they're going to have a very flexible schedule, right? Um, some of those things are true if you're willing to put in the work to acquire those things, right? I mean, this the thing about this industry is that it's not rocket science. Like I had told you guys earlier, that really you're going to get out of it what you're willing to put into it. And I mean, my... And from day one, I told myself that I was going to work harder than anyone else does, right? I mean, that's that's what I have control over. I don't have control over what the market's doing. I don't have control over what interest rates are. I don't have control over the fact that there's a global pandemic. I don't have control over those things. All that I have control over is how hard I'm willing to work mm. and the effort that I put in. And And a lot of people ask me, what do you contribute to your success in such a short period of time? And there's no... There's no secret sauce. There's no elaborate answer. There's nothing that I I didn't try to recreate the wheel, right? I worked harder with the wheel that was provided. And I mean, throughout time, yes, I've I've seen what works and what doesn't work. And that's different for everyone out, everyone in this industry. Everyone has their own ways of going and generating business, but the grind doesn't end. I mean, do I enjoy waking up at 5 a.m. most mornings? No, not really. Would I rather sleep till noon? Absolutely. Do I enjoy working most weekends? No, I really don't. Do I enjoy enjoy being on my phone till midnight corresponding with clients? Not all the time. Like, but 
that's what it takes, right? I mean, mm. and that that goes across the industry. But I think, I mean, I often, because of my age, get put in this millennial generation category. And I just don't think that I adhere to any of the stigmas or stereotypes associated with, with millennials, right? I mean, because there's a lot of entitlement in that generation or or not having to work that hard and expecting to get all these things in return. And that's, that's not the way that it is. Mm, preach it, man. <laughs> I could not, I could not agree more. And it transcends. I shouldn't have just labeled it real estate. It transcends in the industry. How old are you, by the way? I just turned 29 last week. Jeez, dude. Killing it. Crushing it. Uh, and it's so true. It's just like, there's no magic formula. And one of the golden nuggets that you said is that you didn't reinvent the wheel. You worked hardest with the wheel that you were given. Success leaves clues as Tony Robbins teaches, and it's just grinding it out day after day and then building. And this is where my, you know, kind of want to pivot and talk to you about like, what's, how are you going to scale from here? Because then there's this idea of leverage, right? Like you want to now put leverage in your business, I'm assuming. So you don't have to communicate maybe with a client at 12 o'clock at night because you have a system or people that can help do that with you, or you can build out something where you don't have to work on the weekend. What's your thought process on like a team? Do you have a team right now? Do you have someone like a, a transaction coordinator or anything like that? No, no team right now. Um, I have one full-time assistant that handles a lot of administrative stuff and marketing stuff for me. She's absolutely spectacular. I don't know how I did 41 deals one year without her, um, but she's phenomenal. And then yes, I have a transaction coordinator that handles all the paperwork associated with any given transaction. Um, I don't know that I necessarily have the desire to build a team, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I think the next step in scaling my business is... Well, throughout the pandemic, I was absolutely drained because we got rid of open houses in California and those just came back last week or the week before. And so every property that had to be shown to any given buyer, I was there for those showings. I had shown mm. more properties in the last 14 months than I had shown over the last 6 years. Um, and so basically what I'm probably going to start implementing soon is that I have a showing agent that basically goes and shows all my buyers properties. And then I reconvene with the buyers after they take those tours. Nice. Uh, I mean, listing sides, I mean, I can, I have very good systems in place to handle all of that. Right. And, and I'm pretty much at a point where I said, I'm not doing open houses on the weekend anymore. Like I'm, I'm really trying to get to a point where, okay, I can take weekends off and enjoy week weekends and and maybe take one day a week to go golfing i mean outside of appointments that can't be can't be rescheduled from the weekends right because i mean this is this is i said i didn't want to get into a nine to five position and this is definitely not a nine to five position <laughs> it's a 24 hour it's an entrepreneur it's much a 24 hour job i mean i joke with clients that that when i first meet them that hey i can be reached at all hours except for pretty much midnight to 4 a.m when i take a quick nap um which is true it's not a joke right but i mean that at some point i mean yeah, it has to be scaled, right? But you, that, and I that's what it takes, not, right? As busy I was, like, I got to a point where I was in tears, um, headed home one really? day from shooting properties. I was like, I am exhausted. Why am I working this hard to make all of this money when I can't do anything to enjoy it? Because my life is just one thousand percent consumed by work, right? So that mm. was a very that was an eye opener for me. That yes, you got to you got to scale this thing and give yourself. Better quality of life at the same time too. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's what it takes. Like, I'm a firm believer. Like, you got to be all in. Like, you've got to grind it out. You've got to, it's like the same in the music industry because I thought at one point in my life I was going to be a musician. It's like the pain of your dues. Not everybody's going to win the lottery and win a, you know, competition or something like that that will skyrocket them to fame. Most of it is done playing little coffee shop, little bar after little bar after little bar, playing your, paying your dues. I think it was Jeff Foxworthy. He had a crazy interview about, he's a comedian for those who don't know. And they were like, he's an overnight success. And he says, yeah, the overnight (laughs) was the year before. And obviously he was at it for years. He did 700 radio interviews, 700. I mean, you're thinking that's like two a day pretty much. But the idea of the overnight success is not there. There are phases in business and you're willing to put in the work, do whatever it takes in the phase to get it lifted, to get it off the ground so you can earn the right to enter into the next phases, which is that scalability and building out the systems and the people or ever, however far you want to go and your business and what you want to do. It's like entering into those phases, but so many people want to start out with the scalability and it doesn't work that way. And that's why they're out of the business because they, they don't want to do the late nights, work the weekends, those type of things. And you, you have to realize in the beginning, you got to do whatever it takes. You got to do whatever it takes for success to be able to build your business in the beginning before you can get that scale. Right. And, and I see some agents like right at the beginning, oh, I'm going to create a team. Create a team. What value do you have to provide to a team? Like you haven't sold any houses. Like, yeah, you can go and call yourself as a team leader or whatever you want to call yourself. But I mean, you it, what I've seen is that if you're going to go with that team approach, you have to have value and you have to have leads that you can provide your team members with. Otherwise, it doesn't. There's no value to your the members of your team to be a part of your team, right? And I mean, I, I will touch on the fact that I have a very few close agents that I've mentored over the years as well that I partner with on some stuff. Like, um, I mean, I'm farming these days about a hundred thousand homes. I probably have about a wow. Yeah. Um, you got the dual so, wow on that yeah, one. <laughs> that was like a jinx wow. That's crazy. I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I started to implement during the pandemic um, was pretty much right when COVID hit. I saw a lot of agents freak out and say, okay, I need to cut back on marketing expenses. I need to minimize this. I don't know what the future has in store. And I did the complete opposite. I said, fantastic. If people are pulling back on marketing efforts, I'm going to increase them. Mm. Um, and I saw it as an opportunity to go further, put myself in front of people. Right. And so I initially started with a 17,000 home farm using every door direct mailing. Um, and I took, and that's expensive, right? That's not something that you can take on as a new agent. Um, I think that one's $6,000 to send out every time it goes. And I told myself, okay, I'm going to commit to this for six months. If it yields nothing, then I'm going to chalk it up as a $36,000 loss. If it, if it yields one listing, I'm going to continue to do it. And I mean, that was about a year ago at this point. I mean, and I think that's, brought in almost $300,000 of commissions just from that one farm. So I saw that work, right? And I was like, okay, this can go and be replicated or reciprocated in other areas, right? So I've I've added another 30,000 homes, which is an entire city in Palo Alto, which your average price point is probably around 4 million. Um, And so I've done that and I just implemented about another 30,000, 45,000 with a couple other agents. and. That's more so those are people that I've mentored coming up in the ranks, right? And so I, w- 
I want to share. Right? Yeah. I know that I can provide value to them. I know that we can put both of our names on that thing. And my name carries a big reputation. So if I can get them exposed to what farming is going to generate for them, then it's that whole mentality of, of giving back. Right. So there's a couple of people that I partner with on those, those items, but um, no formal team. That's awesome. Is it always a CMA that you put on the mailers or is it what, what kind of type of content are you doing? So my whole thing with mailers, like I had touched on before, is that I didn't want to be a little postcard that gets lost in the mail, right? Yep. So my all of these mailings now are eight and a half by eleven, double sided, uh, full color on cardstock, so that they stick out in the mail. Um, usually, I have comps that have recently closed in the neighborhood on one side, and then I on the other side I have information about what I provide my sellers with, which is free staging, free inspections, free photography, videography, X, Y, and Z, so that they know what I'm bringing to the table before they even sit down at the table with me. Mm. Um, and then and then we'll mix it up from time to time. If we have listings in the neighborhood, obviously we'll promote those on there as coming soon or just listed, pending, sold. So that, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it varies. But if, if we don't have anything that's active on the market or that are our listings. Yeah. We're just pulling neighborhood comps. And, but the whole thing is it just has to be done consistently. Yep. And now it, for this farm, are you doing that twice a month as well? That's every, those are every three weeks, every three weeks. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, man, that is amazing. All right. So switching gears just a little bit, cause I wanted to also pick your brain on this. Cause I think I've seen you post on this a couple of times. We've um, you know, EXP is obviously exploding. This is real estate specific for the audience who is, is asking that. I, I'm curious myself. That's why I want to ask. EXP is exploding. And I seen you post, you, you get constantly recruited by EXP agents. I've seen you blast them. And I've also, you know, I've seen you, you know, comment funny things and stuff like that. I have no, obviously I'm brand agnostic. I service all types of real estate agents and tons of different businesses. But I'm curious, like you're with Intero. Why... Um, what's your thoughts? Why wouldn't you go to EXP? What do you love about Intero? What's your thoughts on big brands as a whole? At the end of the day, for me, it's a relationship aspect. I mean, relationships are worth more than money to me. Um, I mean, and there's always going to be someone coming into the industry that has the limelight of coming up the ranks, right? I mean, you look back a year or two ago, I mean, everyone was fixed a fight on Compass, right? And Compass going and recruiting agents and offering big checks to come over to Compass, which I was offered a lot of money to go leave. Probably more money than a lot of people make in a decade, right? And um, and I didn't do it because my relationships with my manager, leadership are too important to me to walk away over money, right? Yeah. I know very well that... I'm going to be successful wherever I go. It's not a company thing at this point or a big brand. Um, it purely comes down to relationships that I have. And I, and I think EXP is a fantastic model for a lot of people. I mean, they're attracting a lot of agents. They're, I know a lot of high producers that are over there. And I mean, yeah, could I make... Could I technically add a couple hundred thousand dollars more to my bottom line a year if I went over there? Absolutely. But um, again, I mean, the relationships that I have, not only with upper management and leadership, but the camaraderie that's in our office and all my buddies that are over there that I've helped over the years, um, you, you can't replace that with a financial 
or monetary value, if that makes sense. Man, such a good answer. I'm so impressed, man, with the head you have on your shoulders. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, <laughs> you are so successful. And I, not normally it, it, do I get to see... It screwed on today better than it was in the <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I mean, 29 years old. Geez, it's unbelievable, man, what you've accomplished. All right, so we ask everybody who comes on the show, um, you know, because we're, we want to be big in self-development, self-improvement, improving the version of yourself. Do you have any routines that you've implemented in your career, in your life that you look back on and go, no, that I'm so glad I do that because it has driven success for me. So, I mean, I have to do something positive for myself in the morning before I get into the midst of everything else. Otherwise, my day is screwed and my mindset is completely different. So, I mean, days that I work out in the morning are immensely more productive and better off than days that I don't. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I don't know if there truly is a routine in this industry, right? I mean, I have my appointments that are booked that I know that I have to be at and otherwise time's filled with whatever I think is going to be most productive that day. And like at the, at the beginning of my career, I mean, that was sometimes I didn't have anything to do. Okay. I'm going to go get on Craigslist and see who's trying to sell their home as a for sale by owner and try to generate leads that way. Or I'm going to go drive around and see if there's estate sales or garage sales and see if there's a reason that people are getting rid of stuff and if they have plans to sell property. Right. Um, but I know that every morning that I have to do something positive for myself before I get into the thick of everything else. No, I love that. I think right there, I mean, that's a daily habit right there is that hunter mentality, like mm -hmm. getting creative and figure out where's the opportunity, where's the business. Last question for you, Jordan. What would you go back and, you know, 29, so you're not, you know, maybe not that old, but what would you go back and tell your younger self? What advice would you give that guy right before starting in real estate or right before decide to take that internship? To be honest with you, I look back and I don't know if I would change a damn thing. Like Love I it. was, I had some hard times in my past. Like I had lots of problems with drugs and alcohol. I had been arrested multiple times. I had, was in the hospital multiple times. And I mean, would it make sense to go back and say, yes, I would change those things and realize that those weren't going to be contributing toward what the end goal was? Absolutely. But I also feel like those also shaped me to be who I am tomorrow. I mean, or today rather, I mean, take chances. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen is that you're going to fail. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I'm a firm believer that it's only a failure if you're making the same mistakes multiple times, right? If you're learning something from whatever those mistakes were that were made, then you're better off moving forward. I mean, just like relationships, right? I mean, <laughs> Um, I tell myself that anytime that a breakup happens, okay, what can I learn from that relationship? As long as I learn something from that relationship that I can take moving forward, that's a positive for me, right? Um, and don't be fearful of rejection. Like, I just want to share one story right now that sticks out from my career is that I was working on a big development project, which was about 10 to $15 million of production amongst four parcels. Uh, we put the first in contract with knowing that if we did not put the other three in contract, that we weren't going to close. Um, so I had to go approach those three other parcels and put together a compelling enough story to get this done, right? Luckily, the second parcel next door was planning on selling anyways in the near future. So that one was pretty easy. Um, the third one 
was more difficult. The owner only spoke Russian. Um, so I could not communicate with him at all when I was on his doorstep. Um, so what did I do? I went and found an, an agent who spoke Russian that I brought into the deal and partnered with her on that, that specific parcel. And then there was parcel number four, right? Um, which I reached out to repetitively, tried to knock on doors, um, no answer, no prevail. And one day I went back and knocked on the door and elderly lady, probably in her late 80s, answered the door. And I tried to explain to her what was going on. Hey, we're planning on building three-story townhouses around you. Like um, Now's the best time to capitalize on the value of your property. And she not so kindly told me to F off and get off her doorstep and that she was never selling her house and dying in her home. Um, so I was like, okay, what do we do here? And I realized from the title report that there was three people on that title. So I figured, okay, maybe husband, wife, son, who knows? So I went and did research on all three of those people. I found out that it was the lady, her husband, and their son on title. So I went and tried to figure out who the son was. I figured out that he worked at a machine parts company um, in the area. So I called the machine parts company multiple times to no prevail. I ultimately ended up calling their sales department and asking them if so-and-so worked there. Um, and they said, yes, he does. And I was like, great. I have some machine parts that need to be cleaned. And they're like, oh, this is the sales department. We're so glad that you called. And I'm like, no, I was told that I need to speak to so-and-so directly. Right. And so I left the voicemail, no return phone call. About a week later, he finally called me. He's like, how do you even know who I am? <laughs> and I'm like, I did research about you. I know who you are. I know that you have ties to this property. Like, I tried to meet with your parents and here's the situation of what was going on. Right. And so... All of like a lot of people would have walked away from that lady telling her telling you to f off on her doorstep, and that was the end of that, right? But I went from that to the day before Christmas signing a contract with them, and her giving me a huge hug and telling me that I made her life and her year. (laughs) That is unreal. I mean, yes, there was probably four hundred thousand dollars of commissions on the line for me, and I was motivated to get it done. But I mean, a lot of people would have simply walked away. From that and said there's no chance that this is going to happen right so i mean don't be fearful of rejection be consistent and persistent with whatever you're doing at any facet in your life i mean that's how you're going to yield the best results yeah that is that is the difference i mean you're an entrepreneur that's the entrepreneurial spirit right there problem solving not letting anything step in your way see a barrier figure out get creative figure out how to overcome it so jordan man yeah. thank you go ahead No, there's no question that any journey that you're on, I mean, there's going to be obstacles along the way, right? And there's going to be hurdles that you got to jump over. But I I firmly believe that those obstacles and and hurdles make you stronger at the end of the day and then make make the end result that much more rewarding once you do get there. Love it. No, thank you so much for coming on. Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram, which is at Realtor Jordan Mott. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and my LinkedIn network these days is over 20,000 connections. Um, feel free to reach out to me any way that I can add value to you. Or if you have any questions, just feel free to reach out. And like I said, I'm an open book. Well, and I know, I know you have a lot of, you know, connections and stuff going on, but you're never too busy for referrals. I've always said that. <laughs> never about too you. busy for referrals. So I've always you, said that you about you. Anyone looking to buy or sell in the Silicon Valley or Bay Area, give me a call. What I want to know is what happens if a referral comes in between 12 and 4 during that nap? Is, 
thanks again so much for being here hey, thank you all great. for listening to dive deeper in this episode get those uh, links that jordan mentioned you can head on over to staypaidpodcast.com where you can also get the video of this and if you're looking for ways to support the show we would love that if you head on over to apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and a comment on this episode uh, and then the best way to help out the show is to tell a friend if you want to get hold of me or luke you can email us at podcast.remindermedia.com and of course, you can follow us on social media. We are at Stay Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acre. What an incredible episode. So many action items there. Even some technical stuff of the farming, the amount of farming, what you're putting on your farm. Here's two action items I think for you. I can't help myself give you two. One is start posting on your social about your journey. What is your road? Jordan's road is road to 100 million, right? What's your journey right now? Start posting that. To where, I mean, think about the story. The kids in the high school or on the high school football team literally were making fun of him in a good way of like, he's never too busy for referrals. And that's from him just being so active. So ask yourself right now, are you active enough? Are you out on social? Are you posting? Are you interacting enough to get that type of branding? And then the second is, are you giving what it takes? Because when I'm listening to Jordan's story, something that stands out to me, right, is there's so many strategies he's implementing, but it really is this whatever it takes attitude. I mean, waking up at you know 4 a.m., 5 a.m., going out before he goes to the gym, handing out 500 flyers on different porches, knowing the neighborhood. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to where you get you know slammed, a door slammed in your face and the person saying F you to following it through to where they give you a big hug? That is your challenge. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 